so we're going to start this series, and we've called it Ten Summer Nights. Why? Because for the next ten Wednesday nights, consecutively, we are going to be taking a look at, you know, there's one in every crowd. The new one always makes the noise. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You're all in now. It's all good. It's it's usually Mike. That was the initiation. So you're in. You're family now. So for ten consecutive Wednesday nights, we're going to be taking a look at the attributes of God. And this is something I think that is going to be really good for all of us because of what? (laughs) It's really important to know who God is. It's pretty critical. And so we're going to journey through these attributes. And of course, we're going to use a book. And I'll talk about that just a, uh, in, in a minute. Um, but before we get started, uh, uh, Timmy had something that, uh, a story that he wanted to tell. And I want to report my challenge book. He said to listen to it once or twice already. Okay. Not blow it. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell us your story. Stand up. Stand up. I can't hear him at all. Maybe I stand in front of Bob. Sure. Go ahead. I'll talk real loud. Okay, watching Fox News at 3.45 the other morning, uh, they had a report on a gentleman, and anybody please correct me, because I'm not sure the name of the, of the organization, it's the Anti-Defamation League, or the Jewish Anti-Defamation League. Yeah. I've always heard of it, not been too aware of it. There's a gentleman named Abe Foxman. Abe Foxman is retiring from his position as president, or whatever they call the leader. He's been with the, the league for 50 years. And a fellow named Roger Ailes, who owns Fox Network and some other things, was giving a testimony on Abe's behalf. And he said, when Abe was a child in school, his art teacher asked what he was drawing. And he said, I'm drawing God. And the teacher got very serious and said, but nobody knows what God looks like. And Abe said, they will in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're so glad that nobody in this room has an ego like that. <laughs> so, good start. <laughs> so as we as we delve into this this study, I even hate to call it a study because really we're going to be we're going to be looking at God's word and we're going to be looking at what God's word tells us about Himself. And we're going to be using this Tozer book that I'll talk about in just a minute uh, to help us do that. And we're going to be exploring God for who he is so that we have the right concept of who he, who he is. Because if we have the right idea of who God is, the right concept of who God is, then we'll more than likely begin to have a right relationship with God. Which is critically important. In fact, it has very significant eternal consequences. So my hope and my prayer is that we're going to get over ten summer nights into an exciting and deeper relationship. Not knowing more about God, but knowing God deeper. That's important. And perhaps for some of us over the next ten weeks, we are going to maybe have an aha moment or two. 
I hope we do. I hope that there are some aha moments because quite frankly, I think that most of us get a little casual because we get comfortable, don't we? We get comfortable in our relationship with God and we get it's like we get comfortable with one another and there's nothing wrong with that unless we stay there. So I'm hoping some aha moments come out of the next 10 weeks so that we have a greater understanding of the depth of just who God is and then how to apply it. Because it doesn't mean anything if we just understand it or try to understand it and we don't do anything with it. I'm hoping that our desires would even change as we understand who God is. Because we're going to try to seek out his sovereignty, his immutability, <laughs> because, because Mama Hearn, as I so love you to call her, Betty, uh, actually did a little sermon last night on the immutability of God. And four weeks ago, you didn't even know what the word meant. I still have a hard time saying that. <laughs> but isn't that awesome? So, so Betty, a few weeks ago, we talked about the immutability of God, and she had a hard time pronouncing it, and last night she taught on it. Isn't that awesome? Because we're, we all have that capacity, if we would so desire. I also hope and pray that each one of us would approach these ten summer nights completely open with an open mind and an open heart and an open spirit to what God has to say to us individually. <coughs> because I believe that He is going to speak to us individually through learning who He is at a deeper level. In Romans 12, too, by the way, I gave you, the, as I always do, Nothing fancy tonight. I just gave you a little bookmark with references that we're going to go through. And you can, you can use those tonight or you can just use them for looking up later. Whatever is your pleasure. But Romans 12.2 says, you'll be familiar with this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then ultimately, simply, we ought to be able to just submit to the truth of who God is. And then have it manifest in our lives. Without the manifestation of the truths that come to us from God's Word, we might just as well go home. My guess is nobody here needs a whole bunch more head knowledge. You know, We don't need to pour in. What we need to do is we need to exercise what we already have. And yet at the same time, there's a balance of going deeper with God. So... Might we be overwhelmed a little bit over the next ten weeks? Yes. Yeah. Probably so. Already have been. Okay. <laughs> if you have, if you got the book last week and read the introduction and the first chapter, if you didn't scratch your head and say, "Oh, oh, this is deep," 
I'm not sure I can read this book. If you didn't do that, something is probably wrong. Something is probably wrong. Because this is not for the uninitiated. Why? Because we can talk about God's love. Because God is love. But we're going to talk about God's character. We're going to talk about who he is. We're going to talk about how that relates then to, what do we do about that? We just got to bumble through the rest of our lives knowing that we come to worship the God of all creation? Or are we going to struggle through this book written by Tozer that is just a helps, that's all it is. And in some people's minds it might be a hindrance because, woohoo! Just read the first chapter. <laughs> it's a whoo And the crazy thing is, is that there's nothing in Tozer's book that isn't in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Nothing. All he does is help us try to contain what the Bible already says about who God is. Are we going to completely understand the attributes of God, His character, in Ten Wednesday nights this Sunday. No. Absolutely not. It's not possible. If you spent the rest of your life doing nothing more than studying 40 hours a week God's Word to try to comprehend, grasp completely the character and the attributes of God completely. Could you do it? No. We're not equipped. So chill out a little bit. It's okay. It's okay to chill out a little bit. Because, you know what? You're not going to get it all. I'm not going to get it all. I've never talked to anybody that has gotten it all. I don't know anybody that God has revealed himself to so completely that is human that they can say, I got it. And if you run across that person, don't hang with them for too long. Because God has not revealed to us himself in totality. He's given us only what we need. And then he's asked us to go deeper with him. To seek him. And so that's what I hope we'll do. So in fact, although we're going to be completely unable to comprehend the attributes of God, I'm hoping that we apprehend. What's the difference between comprehending and apprehending? Understanding and seeing Understanding and seizing. To the extent that we can understand, great. Let's seize it. Let's grab onto that. And then let's hold it to be true. And then let's live our lives accordingly. Because this is an incredible God that we serve. And we say that. And we even know that. But do we know Him? Yeah, we know Him. How deeply do we know Him? The only one that can understand God is God himself. Ah, we're going to actually talk about that a little bit tonight. So, it's totally okay over the next ten weeks. I don't get it. That's all right. It's totally okay after it's been explained. 
I don't get it. It's totally okay to scratch your head and have questions and be confused even. In fact, I would submit to you it's totally okay even to be a little frustrated. As you're seeking God, the God of the universe, the God of all creation, it's okay to even be a little bit frustrated because that would be a good thing. That is a positive sign that you are seeking God. That's a positive thing. So don't flip it around and turn it negative. It's not going to be negative. And if we can take something away each week, one little thing that God reveals to us, that He speaks to us about, hallelujah, that's good. And then finally, my prayer is, after preparing this for several weeks, that we would leave each week this place with a right understanding of who God is. Because that's important. It's really important. You see, out of love He created us. How? In His image. We are created in God's image. And if that doesn't blow your mind for tonight, we're created in God's image. What does He look like then? Ernie. He looks like Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> but if we can understand that, that out of love God created us in His image for relationship with us personally, individually, and then collectively, if we can just grasp that as we look into who God is, then maybe that would radically change us. And if it radically changed us, maybe God would use that changedness in us that we might be used of Him to change the world. Because He started with 12 misfits and He said, follow me. Follow me. And when they were willing to submit, not getting it, saying, Jesus, I don't get it. And He just said, ah, it's okay. Follow me. And they did and it changed everything. Amen? Mm -hmm. Let's pray before we get started. Father God, we are here enthusiastically wanting to embrace who you are. Teach us, God, through your spirit, Lord, about your attributes over the next ten Wednesdays. God, help us to understand more deeply your love for us. And show us, God, the attributes that only you have that would help us understand that you are God. We believe that already, Lord, and yet we need to know You. We need to know You deeper so that You can use us as You see fit. We need to know You deeper, Lord, so that in our day-to-day -day life that we would have the opportunity enthusiastically to show people by the way we act that You are God. And so that's our desire. We pray that you would give us the desires of our heart as we go through this thing and learn, Lord, what it means that you are God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, along the lines of music, can I share something quickly? Sure. We were at our cabin with the men who been there, and Wes talked to our next door neighbors and said, I hope those guys weren't too loud for you the other night. And they said, Oh, we had to open our doors so we could hear. It was so beautiful. Did they have their drinks yet? I 
Nice to have tone deaf neighbors. Yeah. So we're going to do this study and we're using this book and it's the first time we've used a book in a study on a Wednesday night that's not the Bible. Why are we doing that? It's a guide. It's a guide. And we're using this book as a guide and it is written by this fellow named A.W. Tozer. Wes, what did you tell me when you walked in and you tried to hand me that book back? Yeah, I wanted to return it. Yeah. Challenge. Yes. Okay, what challenged you as you as you tried to pick that book up and read it? What challenged you with that with that book? It's just hard for me to understand. It's hard to understand, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I like short stories better. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, and therein lies the challenge. So really it is kind of a short story every week. We're taking one attribute of God and we're listening to what scripture has to say this is God breathed we know that and then we have this man named A.W. Tozer who was kind of a contemporary preacher he was born about the same time that Ernie was around the late 1800s okay Uh, but, but Tozer Uh, is kind of a deep thinker on the one hand, and yet all he's doing is he's taking the truth of Scripture and he's trying to put it together uh, so that it it is more understandable. Might you be confused, Wes? Yes, I guarantee you. And so Tozer kind of reminds me of some of the other more contemporary uh, theologians. Uh, Susan and I were talking about R.C. Sproul. Now, I don't know if you've ever listened to Sproul on the radio or if you've tried to read a Sproul book, but when I read Sproul, I have to have a dictionary sitting right there because he uses words I've never seen before and I don't understand, and it's really challenging. And so I'm kind of like you, Wes. I, I have to be in the right place in order to read somebody like that because it's a challenge. And yet, Wes, what did you say about the... What would you have said about reading the Bible five years ago? Same thing. Same thing that you just said about Tozer's book. But I'm not giving up. <laughs> okay. And, and there you go. There you go. So Tozer is just a good old country preacher and uh, he only preached at about three or four different churches in his whole, in his whole life. And he's a good, solid, fundamental preacher that just espouses God's truth from the Bible. And he doesn't mince any words, does he? But he's a pretty smart guy. He's a pretty smart guy. And he has the ability to pull these things together. We're using his book as a guide. But we're mostly going to be taking a look at the scripture references to support what the Bible says. Uh, And who wrote the Bible, by the way? God wrote the Bible. Ultimately, God wrote the Bible. God, through the power of His Spirit, inspired men to write this book. It's an incredible thing. We've studied this before. And it is really God's book to us. It is His story to us. And so, what we're using really is God's Word. And so, we'll use these scripture references as, <coughs> as I want to do, <laughs> you know, week by week. Uh, and so that's going to be the driver of our study. So why should we even study the attributes of God? What's the purpose? God says we're not supposed to be ignorant. That's a scripture someplace. Well, I've read that before. Why else should we even study the attributes of God? In order to what? To love somebody, you have to know them. Dolores, 
That's profound. If we're going to love somebody, we have to know them. And hopefully, the better we know them, the more we love them. I'm going to tell my wife that when I get home. (laughs) (laughs) We ought to talk afterwards. (laughs) This is what Tozer in his book says. I'll refer to him just... Just briefly um, on these on these ten summer nights, but Tozer says that we should study the attributes of God because He is the cause behind all things and the only one who can give any meaning to our existence. Well, that's almost as profound as what Doris just said because if we're really looking to towards understanding who God is so that we can because we know he loves us because God's word tells us God is love now as difficult as that is for me to completely comprehend that God is love oh by the way is that an attribute of God? yeah that's his character is it not? God is love and so he created us he loves us and and, and then he gives us this free will to love him back, mm-hmm. right? And so he he just wants to he, he he just wants to receive. It's always great to receive love, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When you know somebody loves you, is that an amazing thing or what? <laughs> and when you know that there's no conditions that are applied to it, because you know we never are going to get that while we're here. I mean, you know, baby, I love you, but I'm sorry to tell you that it's not. Unfortunately, in my flesh there are conditions on that. I love you as a sister. But you know what? I can't do it perfectly. And yet God can. Okay? And so he wants us, imperfectly as as we do it, he wants us to love him back. Because he is the one that gives us any meaning. There's no meaning to our life. There isn't. Ask an atheist. What's the meaning of your life? They'll give you a complete and probably comprehensive, well-rounded explanation of a worldly view of being successful and wealthy and even being kind and, and they might even say some, some, some right and good things and then it's over. Is that meaning? No, not in God's economy it's not. What are the reasons are there to study the attributes of God? More like him. I liked what he said. We are an echo of God. An echo of God. Yeah. Well, what does Christian mean? Christ like. Little Christ. Very specifically, little Christ. Christ like. Yeah, yeah. We want to be more like him. I do. I stumble around trying to do that, but I want to be more like him. And so, what about the increase? What about increasing our faith? If we know God, and if we really know God and we know who He is, does that strengthen our faith? Is that is that possible? How else can we strengthen our faith? You have to have faith to know God. Yeah, you have to have faith to know God. By reading His Word. By reading His Word, it increases our faith. You strengthen the muscle by using it. By so using it. Our faith. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, we can pray for more faith, too. You know, God gave us enough faith. He gave us the faith as he apportioned it, and then he told us that we could ask for more. 
Hmm. Hmm. We're going to talk about praying in just a little while. Tozer, in his introduction, talks about having this right concept of God. And so why is it important to have a right concept of God? If it's important to study the attributes of God so we know Him, not about Him, not of Him, but we know Him, then why is it important to have a right concept of God? And you keep Him straight. What's that? You keep it straight. So we can keep it straight. Yeah, to God, the person, and who He is, mm-hmm. and what He is, and His attributes also shine through, but they are, there's a difference between the two. Okay. Anything else? Anybody else want to contribute? Well, the more time we spend in His Word, the more we want all the things you've mentioned so far. Okay. Mm-hmm. Attributes, knowledge, and I feel like we're blessed for spending that time seeking it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so what part of our life should be affected if we have a right understanding or a right concept of who God is? All of it. There should not be one single component of our life that isn't positively affected by having a right understanding of who God is. Mm-hmm. Well, it also helps us from being deceived and led astray. The better you know Him. Absolutely. The better we know Him, the more we know Him, the deeper we know Him, the more we're engaged with Him. It just becomes a. I like to call that. Those are all in moments. When we come all in with God, and I'll tell you what, I think it's going to be hard after ten consecutive Wednesday nights at looking at who God (coughs) is. Not to be having a uh oh all in moment. I, I, I think I think that that's highly likely, frankly. And if you think you already are, you may be mourning. Because that's possible. That's possible. Can you think of any example of what not having a right concept of God how that could affect people? We go back to our last class and go to hell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we looked at heaven and then we looked at hell and of course and how is it if we don't have a right concept of God that you might that you might be headed on the on that road to hell? Because hell is real. I don't understand it's so very basic. Okay. Or if you look at our world today and you'll see that it's not on that course to God. Okay, the, the world's ways Okay, there's God's way and there's, there's the world's way. There's really only two ways, right? We make ourselves the I am. No. Oh, okay, so as we, as we make ourselves, what does that mean? Well, it means we put ourselves in the center of everything instead of putting God in the center, so we put everything on us. Okay, let me personalize it then. You personalized it at the, at, at the individual level. Let me personalize it at the church level, Okay. In your church experience, what is... How about the church? How about if your church... This is a hypothetical. How about if your church does not have the right concept of God? What's the effect? There's the truth. Pardon me? There's no truth. Okay. Okay, that, that, would, be a, that would be a fact. What's, what's an effect? Discord. Okay. Well, it's a ripple effect too. You go out into the community and it affects 
true disciple. Can't be a true disciple. It affects the entire community. Every aspect of your personal life and the life of the church is affected without a right concept of who God is. Makes me wonder why we don't talk more about who God is. But a lot and about of our right relationship with Him. <coughs> a lot of churches don't want Him because they want bigger numbers. So that could be. They want a, that, that could be. They just overlook a lot well, of things. I think... And yeah, I don't know if it was in the introduction of the first chapter, but it talks about how so many churches now want to be buddies with God. Right. They work good friends. They're just buddies. And the reverence of God. Ah, reverence. That's a that's a great word. So thank you for bringing that up. So what what's happening in the church today, for example, is that that um, uh, Diana said that, that you know if we if we don't have a, a right concept of God, there's no there's no truth. And so um, and so we know that we know that that God's word is the truth, and so we we need to we need to understand that we need to accept that we do accept that, don't we? I mean, we we've driven that stake in the ground for sure, and so uh, and it it is the authority in all things. There's absolutely no question about it. And so, given that, what happens when we toss that out the window? Chaos. Chaos. Yeah, so in a real practical way, once we once we toss the truth out, then we're susceptible to becoming our own God. Amen? And so we begin to sit on our own throne. We get to make the decisions. We get to make the rules. We get to make... We become God. Sounds like Satan to me. That's exactly what happened to him. He wanted to become God, and God said, sorry, it ain't going to happen. We become a social group instead of a become a social group. So we begin if we dismiss God's word, then we begin to dismiss even his attributes. Because God is no longer God. Once you have dismissed the truth of his word, God is no longer God. Now, God will always be God. But in your mind and in your heart, God has been thrown out the window just as you threw out the truth of his word. Pretty critical that we understand then the attributes of God and that we take the time to understand who he is. John 1 1 says that in the beginning was the word. Anybody want to finish it? So, remember that. Remember John 1 1 because that's going to be pretty important when we start taking a look at this first attribute of God, which we're looking at tonight, which is what? what? What's the attribute of God that we're looking at tonight? Oh, the self-existence of God. Oh, oh, what does that mean? Pardon me? <laughs> Come on, I don't have my dictionary. You can't use those big words. What does... <laughs> okay, God wasn't created. But uh, you know, as long as we're going to take a look at these attributes... What, what? By the way, speaking of God, what is an attribute? A characteristic. Yeah, simply put, something we can know about God. An attribute of God is a characteristic, his character, something that we can know about him, who he is, 
what he's like? Mm-hmm. Are these things that are knowable? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. But we can trust him? You see, these are all things that are knowable. And now you get a little flavor for looking into these attributes of God so that we can have a better understanding of who he is, a deeper understanding of who he is, not to pour into our head, but to pour into our hearts. So that in our love relationship with the creator of all things, it will give us meaning. Amen? So, what is self-existence? This should be an easy one. I'm glad the Tozer started with this first attribute being self-existence. What is it? The ability to exist on your own without the aid of anyone or anything else. Okay, the ability to, to exist on your own without the aid of anybody or anything. That's a good start. And then, not created or made. Sally says, not created or made. Ooh, self-existence. Creator, created. He was, he is, and he always will be. He was, he is, and always will be. Okay. Okay. He was since when? Always. Always. There's no origin. There's no beginning or end. Come on now. What? What do you mean just there? He's just there. He's the alpha and the omega. Okay, so Kathy's been reading the book and she says that Tozer's book says that God, and by the way, that is confirmed biblically, that God has no origin. What does that mean? There was no beginning. Okay. All right. Now, Wes. Wes was struggling through the first couple of chapters of this book. Okay. Did you get to the part where it was clearly understandable, Wes? This no beginning thing with God? I'm sure that you understand that. You have that completely dialed in, don't you? And you can explain it to all of us. You can use the whiteboard if you'd like. Would you like to go up to the whiteboard and draw a diagram, of course? Okay. I would like to ask the question, who has an understanding so much so that you can effectively communicate to the group what it means not to have had a beginning? Isaiah 55, clearly Isaiah 55, it's, it's one of my favorite chapters in all of Isaiah, uh, because it says in several places in Isaiah 55 that God's way is not our ways, his mind is not in our mind, and so Isaiah is trying to draw the picture here that, that uh, there are some things, guys, there are just some things about God that are not knowable. They, you can apprehend them. Who believes, show of hands, who believes that God is self-existent, that he had no beginning? And, and who, who completely comprehends that? 
Okay, almost every hand believes and no hands can comprehend. It's, it's incomprehensible. It's incomprehensible. So why does then John... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, what's helpful to me is that everything else but God was created by God. That to me is... Okay, it's helpful. Can you repeat that? Everything but God was created by God. Everything but God was created by God. That's a that's a good theological position because then if we wanted to if we wanted to argue that then we would have to take we would have to take on uh, some other form of argument we couldn't take on a theological argument because theologically that is absolutely correct. Why did John in, in John one one say in the beginning? Please turn to John 1 1. <laughs> we got to have context, don't we? I'm going to need help with this one, so put your thinking caps on here a little bit. Ask the Lord for some guidance. In the beginning was the Word. That's what it says in Brenda's Bible. And then it says, And the Word was God. And the Word was God. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So, so John is... Uh, what's, what's he talking about? Jesus. Oh, he's talking about Jesus. That's the Sunday school answer. I like that. Whenever you're confused about how to answer a Sunday school question, you're right 80% of the time, right? Okay, so he's talking about Jesus. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was was with God, and the Word was, was God. Okay, and so, and so John says in the beginning. What do you mean by beginning? In the beginning. creation. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. What's the Word? Jesus. And the Word was God. What's the Word? Jesus. What's the beginning? The start of everything. What? But what we're looking at here, and we're going to see, we're going to see God Himself say, we're going to see Jesus Himself say that He had no beginning. But John says, in the beginning. Relative to you. You think that's? Are you, it, are you telling me you think that that's what All creation. Oh, okay. But also, uh, salvation was always. Well, the next verse, Bill, also but says, through, things, through him, all things were made. Yeah. Nothing was made. So I think he's talking about creation, the earth's creation, by the being that Oh, you think so? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to tell you before time began, he's saying that the one God is trying God. My Bible says the word that is flesh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the word became flesh. And of course, we know what the word is. The word is Jesus, right? And Jesus became flesh. And so, in the beginning, that's the title of that book. What's the point of me dragging this out for you? 
<laughs> it's really important to understand context. It's really, really important because some, I, I'm trying to listen to the two or three different ideas, concepts, or even constructs about trying to struggle with what John is talking about in the beginning other than Jesus. Perhaps creation? So, is the Bible absolutely clear in every aspect of what God is communicating to us? No. That's the point. What I want you to think about, though, is I want you to hold that in the beginning thought. Just hold that, okay? Don't let it go. Because in the beginning, Jesus... Who created all things? Okay, and when you say... And when you say Jesus created, did Jesus create all things? He was God. Okay. So did the Holy Spirit. Cool. I'm, end of the story. Let's hold that thought. Turn to, turn to Exodus 3.11 because we're going to come back to that and we're going to answer that question. So Exodus 3, 11 through 15. We're going to take a look at why are we going to the Old Testament? Because that's where God reveals himself. And so in the book of Exodus here, who wrote the book of Exodus? Uh, not God, give me the other answer. Moses, okay. So Moses was used of God to write this book and so... Guess what? We're going to take a look at the context of who God says that he is here because he's having a conversation with Moses. Somebody with a booming voice, please read Exodus 3, 11 through 15. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Cool. What's going on? What's happening here? God's giving him some clarity. Or at least some instruction. And what's... Okay, so, so God... God and Moses are just hanging out. They're having this conversation. If that doesn't blow your mind, I've never had a conversation like that with God. You? I've heard him. I've heard his still small voice, but I've never hung out and had God just speak to me because he doesn't do that like he did with Moses. He could, but that's not my experience. So, he's having this conversation with Moses, and what's he telling him? He's telling him his name. What's he giving him instruction to do? Yeah, he's telling him, Hey Moses, we're bringing the boys out of Egypt. I want you to go talk to Pharaoh. And Moses says, What? God, are you nuts? No, I don't want to be disrespectful. But you want me to do what? Does that sound familiar? 
here a lot. Pardon me? Check his age. Yeah, check his age. He was 80. Yeah. Yeah, did he have reason, Bob, to say, you want me to do what? <laughs> well, I'm a fugitive. I ran from them. They'd like to put me to death because I killed somebody. <laughs> All that stuff was going through his mind. Who's he talking to, though? <laughs> okay. Does that give you comfort at all that Moses is talking to God and he's saying, Are you sure? Do you know who I am, God? Do you know what I've done? Do you know how old I am? There's got to be somebody else. I have a speech impediment. How about my brother Aaron? So now all of a sudden Moses is saying, Oh, you know what? I guess I'm. This is God. I don't know what Moses is thinking. There's no way for me to know that. But what the text tells me, okay, so, so when I go there, what am I supposed to tell him, God? And God, for the first time, reveals who he is in terms of his attribute. And his character of self-existence. What does he say? I am who I am. And then he follows that by saying what? Tell them, tell them I am sent here. Tell them I am. What is I am? Am. The self-existence of God. Do you get that in the English? I am sent me. Huh. Uh, it's really interesting. It's a really interesting study and some of you I know have gone there. But, but the Israelites would have clearly understood in the original language when God said I am I am means I always have been self-existent. Now Moses understandably freaked out. I am. Do you suppose Moses knew this when God revealed it to him? Knew what? Knew that God was the I am because I am is a name for God. I am is a name for God. God has many names. Amen? I am, however, is very specific to not having any beginning. So we don't quite get that in the English, but we but he certainly would have gotten that in the original language. Can I guess this is a real short thing that I read? Sally, you can do anything you want. No, don't tell her that. If you can hear me, it says that uh, I am that I am. Anything that is composed has to be composed by someone, and the composer is greater than the composition. If God the Father Almighty had been composed, somebody greater than God would have had to be out there to make God. But God <coughs> was not made. God is not made. Uh, 
depart, therefore we could say that the attributes of God are parts of which God is made because God is not made of parts. I thought that would explain that really. That help you? Mm-hmm. Amen. That was worth ten bucks right there, wasn't it? <laughs> so, so we have this attribute of God, and God is the creator, and everything else is the created, and the creator isn't composed of anything. Mm-hmm. By anyone. For any reason. Because he's the composer. I think Moses understood that. I think Pharaoh was going to have a real tough time with this. And then, not only was Pharaoh going to have a tough time with it, and did, by the way, did, did Moses go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moses went. Moses went. And, and I'm telling you, when, when, uh, when a Jew heard the name of God, I am, that was like, that was like I'm, I'm going down on both knees now kind of a thing. See, we don't get that. We don't, we don't understand that, the meaning behind that. We don't get the reverence for who God is. And I'm wondering about Moses. I like this guy. He wants to argue with God. I do it all the time. No, God, listen, I'm, you know, Richie can do it. <laughs> He's the faster. Let them do it, God. You know, I mean, don't we have those kinds of conversations with God? I mean, if we're honest, I, I think we do. I think we do. I think we're all bound up in all kinds of ways, and we, we do that with God all the time. All the time. You know, but the guys are going writing today, God, and so church isn't really, frankly, that important, because I go all the time. I go on Wednesdays, when God's still small voice is saying, you got to go. You know what I mean? We do it all the time. We do it all the time. And so, so does God's interaction with with Moses does that encourage you or discourage you? <coughs> both. Yeah, probably both. Moses became obedient. Moses became obedient. And if we look at that, and we should be obedient to God too, and hold Him in reverence as well as He did. Let's fast forward now. Thank you for that. Let's fast forward because we've got to be able to relate to the self-existence of God because can you relate to God the Father? Huh? Doris? Okay, Doris says you can't really relate to God the Father. But you said earlier that Jesus is God. Can you relate to Jesus? He's an example because he was here on earth. Is there a difference in terms of your ability to relate? That's the question. Yes. Why? Because we have the example. Has anybody seen God? But the thing is, Bill, is why, why would we want to be able to understand God? Because he wouldn't be a very big God if we could figure it out. <laughs> oh, now that's, that's a pretty good yeah, point. That's what I've been looking at on page 18. It says, What God is can never be quite grasped by the mind. It can only be revealed by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've been taught and we have the faith to believe. And right, and so what is the whole, this old, this old covenant? So, so Moses is there living under the, under the law. He's living under the old covenant, right? And zoom yourself fast forward and all of a sudden Jesus shows up on the scene. The whole of the Old Testament points to Jesus. The whole thing points to Jesus. And it's a wonderful story. It's crazy, isn't it? 
It's crazy the things that go on there because it's so real. It's just so real what's going on in, in the Old Testament and, and the Old Covenant. There's got this whole sacrificial system and then, and then Jesus shows up and then what does Jesus then say relative to who he is? And he declares what? What happens when Jesus comes? In the light, and I'm the I am. How's he shut that out? I am. I am. I am. I am. I am the way. Okay, I'm not stuttering. That's interesting. I am the way. He says that's that's really interesting. And so Jesus comes, and there's and there's this. What happens to the old covenant? The old covenant. He fulfills it. He fulfills the old covenant. So then, what happens? We have a new covenant. And what's the new covenant? What? No, what's the new, what's the new covenant? Simply stated. The sacrificial system is over. There's a new covenant in the blood of Christ. The final sacrifice. Salvation has arrived. Redemption has arrived. Forgiveness for sin without having... This was difficult for those people to deal with because they've been slaughtering animals for a long time. And here's God way back when that says, I am. Tell them, I am sent you. Then in John 8, 54, Jesus says this. In fact, I'm not even going to read the whole thing. I'm going to skip right down to John 8, 58, where Jesus says to his audience here, before Abraham was, what was he referring to? He was what? He was there. He was there what? He's proclaiming that he's God. Oh, Jesus is proclaiming to be God. And how does Jesus proclaim to be God? I am. I am. And so, in the context to his audience, they would have zoomed right back to what Moses wrote in Exodus, where God said, tell them, I am sent you. Jesus now proclaims to be God by saying, before Abraham was, your father Abraham, before he was, I am. How significant is that? Mm-hmm. In question. In mine, it has I am in small case versus capital. Yes. In this Interesting. What does your? Do you have a footnote for that? Um, let's see. Okay. It's the divine name, a claim to preexistence mm-hmm. and oneness with God. Ah. Hmm. Interesting. Divine name. It is a name of God, and it means self-existent. No beginning. I love that. Now, here's Jesus, though. Remember, how long ago was it that God proclaimed that to Moses? And then Moses went to Pharaoh and said, I am sent me. That's crazy. Yes, a long time went by. Huh? A really long time. And here comes Jesus. And nobody was real thrilled with Jesus, quite frankly. And then he proclaims to be God by saying, I am. He says that's his name. I am the I am, is what Jesus says. Self-existent. 
What else did Jesus claim? I am the Okay. Hmm. John fourteen six. It's on your, it's on your little card. How about John? How about John eleven twenty five? For all of you that have memorized the book of John this last week, yeah. John eleven twenty five. Jesus talking here to a young lady. I am. John 15, 1. You don't even have to go there. I am the true vine. Just talking about being grafted into the vine. I am the true vine. How many, how many I am's did, did, did Jesus declare? Do you, do you know? Many. What was his point? In John 8:58, he says, that "Very, tr- uh, very truly, I tell you, this is the NIV. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am." My paraphrase of that goes something like this: "I tell you the truth from God. Before Abraham was born, regardless that he's been dead for a long time, I had no beginning." I exist. I am God. I mean, that's like, whoa. Because we have history, but if somebody walked into this room right now and we didn't have history and we were first century Jews and somebody proclaimed that they are the great I am and that they were God, we would probably, we would probably scuttle them. Pick up stones and throw them out. Amen. So I mean, to give you some give you some context, and so so Moses was struggling with with having this conversation with God because God is I am. He existed. Yeah. Yeah. There were miracles. Did they? How did they receive those? Not too well. They thought he was demon possessed. Interesting. Why? Jesus then proclaims in John 10.30 he says I am the Father it's pretty hard to get away from the old covenant God proclaiming I am self-existent always existed had no beginning and Jesus sometime later saying I am I am I am, and then he says, not only I am God, but God and I are one. I mean, he, he minces no words at all. He says, I'm God. I'm God. Wow. Why is that important to understand in terms of God's self-existence? Why is that important? Did you understand the Trinity is self-existent also? The Trinity. What is that? No, I'm, I'm asking you, could you just explain it to me? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. Be quiet. 
I know uh, I was talking earlier this evening with Cindy and she said that she was willing to explain it to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know because Jesus said, I am God. And he said, I and the Father are one. And see, we are self-existent. And all of a sudden, we're confronted with, wait a minute, if Jesus is God, and God is God, who's God? Because all of a sudden, in Tozer's book, if you, if you read the first chapter, Tozer is talking about this relationship of, of the Godhead and prayer. And how, how does that affect prayer, for example? My, how does knowing and understanding, not comprehending, how does that affect the way we pray? I mean, we're even told how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, wow. Okay, but how do we pray in light of God's self-existence and Jesus being God, as he proclaimed to be? The same person. See, he makes that point. It's the same person. Is it? Yes. Same person? Okay. Sally says that Jesus and God are the same person. How many... Can I... That's a trick question. Uh, it, it is kind of tricky. It is kind of tricky. It, it, it can be tricky. It can be tricky. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use you a little bit here okay, if I can. Okay, I, I promise not to abuse you, but I'm going to use That's you. That's all right. Okay, so... I know I love you too. So... Uh, uh, so, Sally says that Jesus and God are the same person. True or false, biblically? Well, it's true, but we're leaving somebody out here. Oh, that's right. Who are we leaving out, Tim? Okay. All right. We're talking about right this minute. There are different functions to each person of the religion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He says, I am the Father of one. Yeah, I am the Father of one. Okay. How many? How many gods are there? Oh, good. One, three, four, God. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and finish your explanation then of the Trinity because what, what Tozer just talked Tozer is talking about here in terms of self existence. You see, if you find the same guy that understands all the scriptures, he'll be able to describe it. <laughs> okay. I have just a couple questions. How many of you are comfortable with your ability to comprehend God's self existence right now? Still, still nothing. That's good. I'm, I'm, glad that, I'm glad to see that. How many of you are comfortable? that you absolutely believe that God has always existed. Okay, that's good. Let me ask you this. How many, how many of you are comfortable with the triune God being one in essence, three in person? Okay. Is that an explanation? That the triune God is one in essence, one God manifested in three persons. The person of God the Father, the person of Christ the Son, the person of the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God in essence. Okay, good. That's important. How does that relate to prayer? 
Tozer talks about it, and if you didn't have a chance to read the chapter, let's just talk about how that relates to prayer. Can you give my simple way of saying that? Mm-hmm. Uh, we come to the Holy Father through the Holy Spirit in the name of the Son who is prayer. Say that again. We come to the Father through the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Okay. And when you say we come to Him, what do you mean by that? That's how we can talk to Him. Oh, you're talking about prayer. Yes. Could you repeat what you were talking about? Yeah, yeah, not for him. I'm just, I'm just trying to get clarity. Could you say that one more time? Could you say that loudly? We come to the Father through the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Awesome. Um, See, this is important to understand because if we understand what our relationship is and our right concept of God and our relationship with the God of all creation, the God that is pre-existent, meaning there is is, uh, no beginning. He had no beginning. He always existed, which there's nobody here that can wrap a definition. You can't go to Webster's and look that up. There is no way in our finite mind that we are able to uh, to comprehend this pre-existence, this always existing, this no beginning creator okay, who is love, who created us for a love relationship, by the way. We can't wrap a definition around that. So in our finite minds, what we try to do is we say, by faith, we believe. Moses went to Pharaoh by faith and said, I am sent me. I, I gotta believe, I don't know this, totally hypothetical. I gotta believe that Moses was kicking stones all the way to Pharaoh and shaking his head, shaking in his hand, was scared to death because Moses knew who he was. But he was trying to figure out who God is when he says that I am always existing. And nobody has figured it out since. No matter how many books have been written about it. And I think that Tozer comes to that conclusion. I like Tozer because he's a pretty straight up guy. He comes to the conclusion that we can apprehend that truth, but we cannot comprehend it. We can apprehend the fact that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are the three persons of the Godhead. One God in essence. Three persons. Or explain that to somebody that doesn't believe. Explain that to somebody that doesn't have the Spirit. Explain that to somebody that wants to argue. Your tongue will be tied, amen? And yet, it's important to understand because this is an attribute of God that is absolutely critical. In fact, so critical that without the triune God as a cornerstone to our faith, we're doomed. Well, it's that important for us to believe and trust in that, but we will never ever comprehend it at all. Hypothetical question is for you, Steve. What about when we are in the presence of God? Purely speculation. Do you think He'll allow us 
to comprehend his attributes at a different level in heaven? When we are in heaven, yes. Thoughts? Okay, you're talking about if we're in heaven. Assuming we're in heaven in his presence. Well, the way I look at our difference between God and us is very crudely I'm going to use an amoeba who is has the ability to think. And we're the amoeba but there's this person one will just say one of us to that amoeba and we're always around but that amoeba has got a very very short lifespan now what does that amoeba think of us can you comprehend it and I'm going to say no not really maybe comprehend that it's an existence, we are in existence relative to it. But to me, the differential between the thought process capability that amoeba and us to God isn't just one or two times, it's probably a million or billion times greater. So why should we think we can understand God? We've got enough problems just to understanding that he exists yes except except um, let's let's go let's let's finish let's look at let's look at one last scripture let's look at the at the psalm um, I don't have it in my notes the psalm that's, that's on your list psalm is it 910 yeah. go to psalm 910 for a little bit of help with that because I understand where you're coming from and I agree and I accept that except for one thing what does the psalmist say in Psalm 910? Huh. Did everybody hear that? Okay. Timmy, with a booming voice, because you know Doris. Sweet those, little Doris. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And the key word there is seek. God has never forsaken anyone who seeks him. And so that's what we're doing. Did you realize that as we sang these songs, I worship you, Almighty God, because he is Almighty. I will bless you, O Lord, that is a blessing to God. We are blessing the God of the universe by participating here tonight. Because what? Because we are seeking him. And we are seeking without the ability, like the amoeba, no question about it. We are unable to comprehend, but we are completely able to seek. And we can seek Him through the power of the Holy Spirit, which we have indwelling in us as believers. And we can ask for and receive the level of comprehension that He has for us in the moment. No question. So unlike the amoeba that doesn't have the ability not made in the image of God like we were, it is very analogous because God is God.
And that's really, if you want to sum up the ten summer nights, God is God. And we are not. And yet we are seeking Him. And it, He derives tremendous pleasure, Scripture says, as we seek His face. I don't know about you, but that gives me a smile on my face as I'm doing the things in my life to please Him and just to seek Him out. God, who are you? I just want to know you deeper. I can just hear Him, and again, not to be disrespectful or irreverent, I can hear God saying, Cool. <laughs> That's cool. I like it. Yeah. Keep going, man. You're on the right track. And even though, I, even though I know you're not going to figure it out, in fact, he's, I can hear him almost now saying, huh, they get it. They get it. They can't figure me out. They're finite. They get it. They know their place. Because they want to. They want to. And they can't. But they want to. We strive to. We desire to. The question about in heaven, will we, will we still have that desire? I don't have a clue. I don't know if we will or we won't. But I know that God is going to dwell with us. Wow. That's cool. When he was walking with Adam and Eve in the garden, I'm wondering how much of his, how many of his attributes were very evident because he was walking and talking. Uh, well, we're going to be in his presence and he'll be walking and he'll be talking. Even though when we're in heaven, we'll know the Father was supposed to still be wanting to peace about it. Absolutely. Just like his, his uh, son, dad. But we'll be able to do it without our sin nature. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and there will be revelation that will continue. But that desire will still be. The desire will not go away. If it is a desire of our life to seek God's face and to know Him more, He will not only give us those desires, but there are limits to those things because of our ability to comprehend. He didn't give us the ability to comprehend. So the last question for the night, and we're gonna and we're gonna sing our way out of this place tonight. The last question for you. I'm gonna read it very slowly, and I want you to think about it and don't answer it out loud. This is a question I would like you to take home with. You ready? How does knowing that God is God, self-existent, no beginning, existing as the great I Am, one in essence, Manifest in the person of God the Father, in the person of God the Son, in the person of God the Holy Spirit, in perfect unity and harmony in the Godhead. How do those biblical truths help you in your personal relationship with Meditate on the self-existence of God without a beginning. Meditate on the biblical truth of the Godhead, one in essence, one God manifest in three persons. 
meditate on these truths and see if that doesn't help you in your personal relationship with Him. Knowing. <laughs> I'm going to be stuck on your analogy for a while, Bob. Knowing that He is God. He is God. And let's allow the reverence of this God with these biblical truths wants to be in us.